Welcome to this podcast featuring Pastor Michael Lay, the Director of Operations of Behold Israel. Behold Israel provides biblical teachings through its tours, speaking events, and social media. It's also a reliable and accurate news source for developments in Israel, the Middle East, and the world. Connect with Behold Israel on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Telegram. And don't forget to download our free app, available on Android and Apple under Behold Israel. And make sure to visit our website at beholdisrael.org. Such a privilege. This is uh, my first Awaiting His Return conference where I'm actually one of the speakers. Normally, I'm behind the scenes. And I always say to people, Amir and I married into the hottie factory. Our wives are sisters, and so we married into the hottie factory, but sometimes there's warranty issues, and we confide with one another from time to time. Yes. Uh, We love you, ladies. I know you're watching online. You know we love you. Anyway, um, I want to tell you a story about my family, uh, which does involve my wife, and uh, she is just my anchor. She is my compass. She is my my situational awareness agent. We were coming back from Israel one year, visiting the family, coming through Boston. And in Boston, they have the USO, United Services Organizations, and they have this beautiful room. It's like an executive suite. And there's refreshments, and there's candy bars, and Fritos. Frito-Lay is here in Texas. Hoorah! You know, Mandel's here to prove it. We, we had a time of our life in there. We had the whole place to ourselves. We had couches. We had the movie screen there. Free internet. Free everything. Wonderful people. And the whole place was a place for us to relax for four and a half hours. And we got comfortable. We slept. And my wife says, you know, we got a connecting flight. What time do we need to leave here? I said, ah, we're pre-TSA, military. Don't worry, we'll go 20 minutes before we have to be there. Aren't you comfortable? Aren't you enjoying the amenities? Yeah. 20 minutes of, she says, it's time to go. Ah, we're pre-TSA. Let's go, it's probably time. So we get the family, the caravan family, the Gole family, we go through TSA. I did not calculate that that would be a busy day. So I'm starting to sweat. I'm starting to look at my clock. We finally make it through TSA. We only have five minutes to make it to the gate. I said, relax, it's a small airport. It wasn't. (laughs) We were literally running. You're sweating. You ever been there? Your palms are sweating. Your heart is beating. You've got the nervous tension. And people are looking at you, and they're asking the question, Daddy, are we going to miss the flight? I said, of course not. We're not going to miss the flight. We ran, and it was one minute till, and we started to hear, Golay, party of five, please, last boarding call. Michael Golay, party of five. I made it to the gate. And the, air, the airplane was still there, and it had just dislodged from the, from the walkway. And the woman was standing there, and she said, Are you Michael Golay in the party of five? I said, Yes! And what happened next? We'll wait to hear later. (laughs) Oh, yes. You'll be uh, very surprised to hear what happens next. I was not a watchman. I was not looking at the clock. I was not having situational awareness. I was not listening to my wife. I'm so sorry, Sharon. 
My kids were asking me, is it possible we could miss the flight? I was overconfident. I had it all figured out in my own mind, and I thought I had everything about the near future completely secure. Oh, let me ask you, men, how many men do we have here? Raise your hands. Men, I'm talking to you right now. Do you know that the followers in the prophecy community, most of the followers are women aged 55 and older, most. They're wise, they've lived life, and they have beat us in this game of understanding what's going on in the world. Men, this sermon is for you. (laughs) Ladies, you can elbow your husband and say, come on, Herb, listen, come on, okay? Today, we are going to be looking at the situation that we're in, and I'm going to be asking you men and ladies, everybody, are you a watchman? Are you aware of the times that we're in? Are you understanding what the Bible says about the times? If so, are you a good watchman? There are people out there claiming to be watchmen, but they are not. So let me throw these up on the screen. The first question I want to ask you this morning is this. Are we really in the end times? The second question I'm going to ask you this morning is, is Bible prophecy really being fulfilled today? Is it? And number three, and this is really what my teaching is all about, and that is, what is my role? How do I play my role? Men, I need you. I need you. I want you to take what Amir talked about today, and I want you to look into these things, and you're going to see for yourself. Men, I'm asking you to lead your families. I'm asking grandfathers here to lead their clan. We only get one shot at this. The time is ticking. Tick-tock. Tick-tock. It's time to wake up, men. Don't let your ladies run the show. Don't let them be the watchman. The watchman is you, men. And I'm glad this is being live-streamed to to people out there in this church and anybody watching. As a pastor, I'm going to be commenting, and as a man, I'm going to be commenting on what a real watchman is and what a real watchman is not. I want to throw some pictures up here. I want you to know I had zero conversation with Amir before this teaching. And I took some of the things that the Lord had spoken to me, and I am the filthy pig-eating Gentile looking on from a distance from the United States that had the privilege of living in Israel for such and such a time. You got an Israeli perspective of the, of the miracle which is Israel. I'm going to show you the Gentile perspective from a Minnesotan Gentile perspective of what I've seen in my very modest journey in my 51 years of life. Let me throw the picture up there on the screen. This is Theodore Herzl, who lived in the 1800s. And that is a picture of World War I, which, of course, you know the dates. But you may not be familiar with Theodore Herzl. Coming right off of what Amir said, Theodore Herzl is a Jewish guy. He is a journalist in Hungary, sent to Paris. And he is assigned to do some journalistic work. He uncovers a story during the Napoleonic Wars of how there was a general 
named Dreyfus that was framed for secretly selling plans to the Germans during the Napoleonic Wars. You know why he was framed? Because he was a Jew. That's it. Herzl was shocked, appalled. He runs back to Hungary. He starts talking to some people in his Jewish community. He's not even that Jewish. And he says, we need a state. Otherwise, they're going to kill us. I can smell it in the air. He formed the first Zion conference there in Europe. And uh, he died. He was never able to see the vision of that which is Israel. In Ezekiel chapter 36, 37, which Amir quoted, you could see that God had preordained. Let me throw the next slides up there preordained that there would be a liberation of the world. Uh, my dad knows one of these guys personally. Charles Lindbergh, he passed away years ago, of course, but he was a member of the VFW in Prior Lake, Minnesota. Charles Lindbergh is one of those guys. I don't know which. I wish I did. I'll ask my dad. I called my dad right before this. I said, what was his name again? He said, Charles Lindbergh. And uh, the reality after World War II, from an American perspective, from an American perspective. As the cynical skeptic, this country is coincidentally reborn because the world was liberated from the evil of the Nazis. They tried to exterminate the Jews. They failed because my brothers got the job done. Let me go to the next slide. Dry bones of Ezekiel. I believe they were literally foretold that the dry bones were literal, and that the nation of Israel is literal. Amir showed this map, that's UN Resolution 181, you just saw it, and from this point, where they started after World War II, they have only enlarged the land, and it continues to enlarge as Amir illustrated. Go to the next slide. This slide, this picture I want you to see. If it's not enough from the filthy, pig-eating Gentile perspective that's a cynic and a skeptic, if, if Israel's not enough, let's say we make excuses, it was just happy chance, it was just kind of coincidental, and you know, they just were smarter than, than the Arabs, whatever excuse that you want to make, men, this has been going on for several years. The Ezekiel 38 and 39 coalition, which Ezekiel predicted, is happening right now. This is Russia, Turkey, and Iran that have formed a coalition. They're presently in Syria. I always wondered about Libya that's in this picture. Turkey is now taking over parts of Libya because of the natural gas in the Mediterranean Sea for natural resources. And that's the link I was wondering. What is Libya doing in the prophecy? You can look these countries up. And then, of course, you have Sheba and Dedan, which it says looks on from a distance and they, they disapprove of this war. The next slide. Did you know? Men. This is just last week. Just last week. <laughs> on behalf of our Arab Emirates and Bahrain, we are very thank the Israeli for the bees deal. This is what they're saying. If they speak English, they sound just like that. Well, maybe not, but maybe not exactly like that. <sighs> there I was in the airport. Are you, Mr. Golay, the, the family of five? Yes. 
Let's move on. <laughs> I'm more interested in flight 777. Oh yeah. You need you can't you can't uh, mess with with that flight. Isaiah chapter 56. I want to throw that up on the screen, my friends. Watchman. Isaiah uses the metaphor of a watchman to get his people's attention, the leadership. Men, you're the leaders of your families. Pastors, you cannot miss this. Listen to what he says. All the beasts of the field come to devour speaking about the foreign nation coming to devour Israel, in the literal context of the time, all you beasts of the for- in the forest, his watchmen are blind. They are without knowledge. They're silent dogs. Whoa. It's enough just to say they're silent, but they have to be silent dogs. They can't bark. Dreaming, lying down, loving to slumber, sitting in the USO in Boston... The dogs have a mighty appetite. They never have enough, but they are shepherds who have no understanding. They all have turned to their own way, each to his own gain, one and all. Come, they say, let me get wine. Let us fill ourselves with strong drink. And tomorrow we will be like this day, go great beyond measure, sitting in the USO, basking in the comfort and the amenities. No, they don't have wine in the USO, but they have amenities. Now I'm going to speak to you pastors. If you're watching online, I'm speaking to you leaders of Bible studies. I'm speaking to you leaders of people. I understand as a fellow pastor for 17 years, I understand that prophecy can be very difficult. I can understand that the demands of a church with marriages, with addictions, and people not knowing the basics of Christianity, that you, you want to go there first, and you do, and you do a good job, and thank you, pastors. Thank you for discipling us. But in my church, there were times I felt I had to speak about the times and prophecy because I don't want our leaders, I don't want you or anybody to miss out and have a failed watchman role. I don't want you to miss out. And so I'm saying this with utter humility, but also with passion, that we cannot miss this. There's only one shot that we get at this. It's time to wake up. There has never been a time in human history where you've had such the eclipse of all of these prophetic events lining up the the way they did. And I didn't speak to Amir before this. He laid it out right there. You need to dig deeper into that and see for yourself just how true his message really is. But my question is, are you the real deal? Am I? How do you know? What does it mean to be a watchman? What does it not mean to be a watchman? Let me just throw this passage up there. This is from Mark chapter 13. But concerning the day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Jesus was saying that He's talking about the whole period. Rapture, tribulation, lawless one. 
seals bowls judgments and the second coming, even into the millennium. Nobody knew when that time would come. You know, it's like when we get closer and closer, you have the alignment of all these events that we've talked about this morning, and it's like a cauliflower effect. You know what a cauliflower effect is? It's when things just kind of like dominoes, a domino effect. Can you say that with me? <laughs> dominoes are falling everywhere. You see, verse 34, it's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening, which was the first Roman watch, 6 to 9 p.m., or at midnight, Roman watch of 9 p.m. to midnight. This is at night, in the evening, because it's dark. That's where a lot of people would attack cities. Watchmen would be responsible to sound the alarm. We have a dangerous situation here. Look out. He says there, lest, uh, or he says in the morning or afternoon, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep in the USO. <laughs> Thankfully, that wasn't flight 777. But you don't know if I missed it yet, do you? What about, what's about to happen, you're going to be amazed. And what I, what I said to you, I say to you all, Stay awake. You know, we're in the time also, if that's not enough with the Ezekiel passage and reviewing some of what we talked about this morning, if that's not enough, look at the increase of false teaching. Now, God knew we would have all of these platforms for people to be misguided and misled, you know, online and so on. We can use it for good, but it's also being used for bad. Whatever God's gifts are, he always tries to twist it. There's a lot of churches falling off the cliff theologically. I call it theological, eschatological suicide. And they bring a lot of people with them. Pastors, I'm speaking to you. I was a pastor. I'm, I understand. It says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, look, the Spirit says in the latter times, some will depart. Not all, some. Certainly not you. You're here. You could have been in 50 other places, but you're here. Some will depart from the faith, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. You know, if you have your Bible, I'm not, I'm not going to throw this up on the slide. I want you to see this in your own translation, your own Bible. Go to 2 Timothy 4, verse 3. You need to see this. You need to see this. You know this. Some of you have memorized it. Some of you will remember this being preached. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. You need to see this. This is where we're at. I don't know if you've had a privilege to live in the days that we do. I do because we get a front row seat to prophecy unfolding. Verse 3. You got it? For the time, and he wrote this in the first century, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but have 18 years. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths and fantasy land with unicorns and rainbows. Very sad. They called it back then, and here we are. If it's not enough seeing Israel reborn, the coalition in Syria, and now the apostasy or departure from good doctrine, he called it back then. 
If that's not enough, I am going to throw this on the screen. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7 through 8. In Paul's day, he said the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And not only is it doctrinal that he's referring to in this passage, it is a global rejection of not only God's teachings, but truth itself. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed. The restrainer is the one that needs to be taken out of the way. Then all lawlessness blows up. Whom the Lord Jesus, by the way, listen to this, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. You imagine the world has its fist up. I come from Minneapolis right there at the place where uh, George Floyd was killed there. There's a fist. And uh, I was talking with one of our staff members, and that fist for, for people around the area, they would say represents injustice. But we know ultimately what these people are saying is, we don't want God or truth. We want our own reality that we want to deconstruct this world and reconstruct it into our fantasy land that does not involve God or His truth. Israel coming back to life. The coalition forces in Syria. Sheba and Didan now signing peace deals with Israel and they're condemning this future invasion, the missing link of Libya. We now have false teaching like never before. And now, on top of that, we have lawlessness. Are you a watchman? Are you paying attention? Pastors, are you preaching prophecy? You say, well, I don't know how to teach prophecy. Funny you should ask. <laughs> Here's the first clue. BeholdIsrael.org. <laughs> OliveTreeMinistries.com, or is it .org? It's .org. BarryStegner.com. There's three clues for you. Once you get into that arena, and I have to say with hum, hum, I'm just kind of playing with you a little bit. I'm not trying to come across arrogant as if we know it all, but we work really hard on studying and getting th these things to you, and you're going to see in just a minute five or uh, se seven things that I want to share with you this morning. In my 50 years of my life, 51 years journey in my life, Visiting, and I thank God, thank you God for this opportunity of being in over 30 countries, searching the scriptures for years. I've been wealthy and I've been poor and everything in between. Being a, a pastor employed and in the secular world and being in the ministry as a pastor, I've come to the conclusion, especially after my modest one and a half years in this ministry called Behold Israel, and I never, I never dreamed, Amir, that there would be some of the best people that I would ever see. People like you. People that bring me to tears when we do broadcasts. And some of the comments that you make online just brings me to tears how encouraging and uplifting you are. Some of your encouraging emails. And then on the other side, some of the most hateful comments. Shall we say this? Some people are really good at creatively constructing in the English language very good foulness that people can really understand in a way that's hateful. Shall we say there are some people that have the gift of literary skills to offend. And uh, sometimes we wake up to such emails and a lot of them 
oh God, forgive me, come from people that say, I'm a watchman. I said to Amir, is this what you deal with? And he's, he's like, welcome to my spoon every day, which I eat from, but also you. You keep us going. And I want now to talk about Flight 777, and I want to talk about seven things that every watchman does. Actual watchmen. Okay, so for the rest of our tw- 29 minutes, no, for the rest of our time, I don't know how much time, I think I have 20 minutes left, 18, 19 minutes, I'm going to go through these, and I want you to consider this, especially you men. What does it mean to be a true, authentic, real deal watchman of the times? First, let me throw that up there on the screen. Authentic, meaning real. First, watchmen warn leaders and others with humility. With humility. I have had people come to me in church, and they are ready. They've got their files. They've got their videos. Pastor, if you only knew what I knew, you would not be and preach the way you do. You need to read these 16 books, you need to watch these five videos, and when you're done, you need to consult with me and we need to construct a sermon plan. I had a woman show up in my office and she says, I have a message from the Lord and if you don't listen to me, God's going to judge you. Oh, okay, yeah, someone forgot to take their meds today, okay? (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I go too far. All right. Let's remind, okay, let's put these up up here for me. Okay, well, I'm just going to put the scriptures up here for me, and if you want to follow me into this, by all means. Galatians chapter 5, nothing new for you. But the fruit of the Spirit living in you looks like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. When pride comes, <laughs> then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Are you a real watchman? How are you stacking up? This is challenging to walk through this watchman standard gauntlet. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Walk with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth not in us. If we confess our sins with humility, right? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you want to talk to a leader, pray for that leader. Encourage that leader. If your small group leader doesn't teach prophecy, pray for that leader. Build them up. Encourage them. Be the fruit of the Spirit to them. And that, over time, with the relationship that you build of respect, will yield fruit when the Lord opens up doors for you as a watchman to graft them into the watchman community. 
humility. Two, seven principles before we get on to flight 777. Watchmen take their concerns, and I know this sounds crazy. Maybe I'm crazy. Watchmen take their concerns to the source. Maybe I'm crazy, but if, if I have something against another person, I, I would go to them. It, it, maybe I'm crazy, but if, if I have a problem with Bill, I, 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 don't, I don't need to go to Steve or, or, or Stacy. If I go to Stacy about Bill, Stacy is in an awkward position and says, wow, that sounds horrible because I may not be portraying Bill accurately. And then Bill finds out about it. And then there's now a lot of people that possibly have found out about what Bill actually or not actually believes, and now Bill has a swarm of haters. Maybe I'm crazy. But watchmen take their concerns to the source. Matthew 18, classic passage. You're going to hate this one. If your brother sins against you, go and tell Stacy his fault. No, go tell him his fault. Between you both alone. You see the honor? How would you like to be confronted? In public? Anybody want to come up here and confess their sins? Or have me confront you with your sins that I don't know? It would, it would be shameful. If, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. You know, most of the time when you just confront somebody, it goes really well. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses even then to listen to them, take it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, then you treat him like a Gentile or tax collector. Is that? Is that? <laughs> Proverbs 11, verse 9. With his mouth, the godless man, not the godly man, but the godless man, would destroy his neighbor, but by knowledge the righteous are delivered. Know the facts about people. Take them to the source. Recently, we had a situation where some fellow leaders had a problem with what we posted online. Even though we clarified what we meant several times on multiple platforms, it wasn't enough. Nope. Because we have legalistic literalists. They want to grab what you say and they're going to hold you accountable to that for the rest of your life and they don't care about clarifications and then they're going to stir up a swarm and then they're going to go to another person about you and cause a division. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I'm just in the wrong place. But that's wrong. People take our excerpts from videos and they... They have these programs and they, they take things out of context and they cook a video and then they post it online as if we've said a false teaching, a lot of those kinds of people. And not a single one come to us with their concerns. You want to know who comes to us with their concerns? Good people like you. We have serviced some of you that have asked us points of clarification. Do we not get back to you within 24 hours? Do we not explain what we meant, what we said? And sometimes if we do something that is inappropriate, we'll come out and we'll say, we're sorry. I find it amazing that leaders of major organizations are doing this, yet common people like you, real watchmen, follow biblical precedent. Don't drop the ball on that. Three, 
Watchmen work in teams. They always work in teams. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 12 says this, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone, who falls. When he falls, he has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And a three-cord strand is not quickly broken. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 13. For just as the body is one, that is you, and has many members, that's you, and all the members of the body, though many, that's you, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized in one body, Jews or filthy pig-eating Gentiles like me, slaves or free, and all who were made to drink of one spirit. There was a gentleman that attended our church. He did everything wrong. He was a horrible watchman. He claimed to be the best. He'd cook videos. He would criticize me, and all the time were talking about me behind his back. I said, I will meet with you over coffee, and we'll straighten out whatever you want on my initiative. I actually asked him. He said, okay. And uh, he, he, he didn't look good. He was, he was owner of his own company, and he, he, he was losing his mind. I said, how's your wife? Oh, I live in the basement. We don't talk. Okay, but you're a watchman. Oh, I'm, I'm one of the top watchmen. Oh, okay. Uh, where do you have time to do all this study? Oh, I just let my employees run the business. How is your business doing? Well, I, I am, I'm looking at the option of filing bankruptcy. I, I can't tell you his name. I, I, I just can't. But I looked at him straight in the face. I said, you're not a watchman. You need help. You need a pastor to help you. I'm willing to do that. He said, oh, no, you don't, you don't have the same views as me on the rapture. See, I believe the rapture will happen at the end of the tribulation. Well, he's got bigger problems than that, believe me. <laughs> he lives alone in his basement. He's all alone. He has nobody to push back. There's nobody to say, hey. There's no Bible study with group that he's going to. We have two people in our ministry sitting here right in this room. They have a weekly Bible study, and they study prophecy together in a team. They came together through tours that we led in Israel. It's beautiful. They, love, they work in team. They interpret the Bible in team. They touch base. They have watchmen work in teams. They're not lone rangers. If you see a lone ranger, there's a red flag. Four, watchmen do their homework. Men, get out there and research. Movies won't get you there. Sensationalism won't get you there. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 to 18. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not, has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid, listen to this, irrelevant babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. They, the Bible said it, I didn't. And I like graphic word pictures. That's pretty graphic. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus. These guys actually have their names written in the Bible as being gangrene-type guys. Look out for those guys! How would you like your name written in Scripture? They must have been really mixed up, who have swer swerved from the truth, saying the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. 
The incompetent ignoramus is the one that does not do their homework. Check the facts. Do not forward things because you were emotionally moved before you check the facts. Actual watchmen are reporting facts. How do I know about the facts? Don't send until you get them. God will lead you if you pray this. Lord, I don't know if this is true. Please guide me right now so that I can verify what this is. And he will. Who do you think cares more about truth, you or God? Who do you think cares more about your future, you or God? Who do you think has control of the future, you or God? Do your homework. Don't stir up a cesspool of confusion. There's, there's so much of it. Five, watchmen take care of themselves. You've got to take care of your, your, your spirit, your mind, and your body. You've got to take care. You've got to take care. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8 If you put these things before the brothers, you'll be a good servant of Jesus Christ, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you follow. Paul writing to Timothy, a young pastor in Ephesus, have nothing to do with irrelevant or irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. It's work. For while bodily training is of some value, it is of some value if you can walk around every day. If you can, maybe do some physical fitness. I try. It's not easy. Just like you say, it's not easy to me. It's not easy. It's, we're all struggling in this. But it has some value. Godliness, though, is what we need to really focus on, is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So although the body is decaying and dying and as I get older, I think there's a new hand growing out of my back for some radiation I was exposed to once in the Middle East, but I don't know. That, I can't wait for the rapture to occur. Flight 777, can you imagine the dead rise first and those of us who are alive will meet them in the air? My ingrown toenails, they're going to be pure. All my back aches are going to straighten out. My, my nose won't be crooked anymore. It's going to be aligned and it's just going to be great. I'm going to be able to see without glasses. It's going to be epic. I can't bring this body to heaven. First Thessalonians says it best, chapter 5. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Amir and I have this kind of challenge of workouts and sometimes study. We're co-writing teachings now. And we've committed to keeping things straight. My mom, she uh, gets up four times a week and she plays pickleball at 76 years old. She, she owns me. Um, she owns me in pickleball. How, 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 I don't even want to go there. <laughs> Study. Take care of yourself. You only get one shot at this. Listen to friends and family. Take care of yourself. Six. We're almost to seven. Six. Watchmen reach the lost. 
You want to know one of the, one of the funnest things I get to do when I, when I go on reserve duty in the Air Force? Some of the funnest things I get to do is I get to see all kinds of emotional people. I get to see people that are sending me signal, signals with their body. Let me throw up this next slide. This is fun. There's some angry people that want to get even. And, and when you evangelize people, you got to meet them where they're at. If this woman was right there in front of me, I'd say, wow, you must be really upset about something. I empathize with them. You must look, you look like you're really upset. You have no idea how upset I am. My husband is not a watchman, and he was delayed in Boston. <laughs> you meet some people with tattoos, and you say, wow, interesting tattoos. I don't, I don't have any care about tattoos, but tattoos share a story. People are telling you about themselves with a tattoo. Wow, what's that tattoo from? Oh, that's, that's a skull. That represents when I was beat up when I was young with my dad and he ran off with uh, four other women. Yeah, I just, I just want to, you know. Wow, it sounds like that's really hard for you. Tell me about that. Meet people where they're at. This is so easy, folks. Take the signals of emotions and, and the paint that uh, when somebody is broadcasting something like the woman down there, wow, you must be really sad. Can I pray with you? Meet people where they're at. Real watchmen care about the lost. They don't stick around in the church only and criticize the world. They actually care about the lost because now is the time to win people to the Lord. Prophecy, whenever we teach prophecy, there's more people that come to, to the faith in my church than any other sermon I've preached. It's amazing. So watchmen reach the lost. Never lose your heart for, this, for the soul of the lost people. God has put his target on them. Lastly, Watchmen are situationally aware. If you're a watchman, I want you to remember these seven things. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says this. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anyone, anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And I would say that to you, you're fully aware. Are you not just like the Thessalonians? You could be anywhere, but you're here. You know this already. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. They won't escape. Verse 4. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light. We have that slide. Is that up there? The next one, verse 4. We are not the, of, of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, drunk at night. And then lastly, verse 8. But since we belong to the day, you belong to the day. You've come to faith. Let us be sober. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of the hope of salvation, for God has not destined us for wrath. He has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that we, whether awake or asleep, might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up with these words. The Delta woman is staring at me face to face. The flight had just detached from the, what is that thing, that, the walkway. And she, 
What is it called? The Jetway. She says, Mr. Golay, we called for you several times and you weren't here. Where were you? <laughs> My wife was standing over here. I was in the USO eating Fritos. And the plane. <laughs> it, it left. And I saw my wife and my three kids. <laughs> and then. I had felt such loss, such regret, so much self-hate, and I, I had no, nothing I could do besides say I'm sorry, and we got the next flight out. <laughs> but it's enough for you to understand that this is serious. Men, women, young and old, you're here for a reason. Are you prepared to say these seven things? I want to be that. I want to be a scriptural watchman. And when the devil whispers in your ear to do something nutty or violate this, are you prepared to say, nope, I'm going to stick to this because it matters too much in the times that we live in? I want to close. And if, I, if I'm really honest with you, I want you to ask yourself this hard question. Are you willing to stand up right now and say, I'm willing to be a watchman and I will respect these seven things as much as I can. If that's you, stand up right where you're at right now because I want to pray for you. This is a commissioning service right now. You've heard the situational awareness this morning from Amir. You understand what's going on around the world. And coincidentally, I've had no conversations with Pastor Barry. He's going to be talking about the New World Order, and that is going to knock you on your knees. <laughs> Watchmen, I want to pray for you. Before we go to lunch, Lord, none of us dare to miss Flight 777. Is that you? Pray with me, friends, in the privacy of your heart. Lord Jesus, show me how to be a real watchman and how to spot a fake. I want to be the real deal in these times. There's too much at stake, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I know you care more about this than any of us do. So, Lord, we commission each of us in this room from this day forward as we go through the day to be further equipped to take this knowledge, to take this training into the world, into our groups, so that we can see your spirit do amazing things in these last days to draw people to yourself. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Thanks for listening to this podcast featuring Pastor Mike Golay, the Director of Operations of Behold Israel. Connect with Behold Israel on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Telegram. Download our free app available on Android and Apple under Behold Israel. And don't forget to visit our website, beholdisrael.org.